this is Terry Beatley, your host of What If We've Been Wrong? I'm shining light into some dark places so that beauty, goodness, and truth defeat the schemes of the enemy. It's true, people are perishing for lack of knowledge, and we're instructed to have nothing to do with the evil deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. That's what I do on What If We've Been Wrong? Rethink, explore, and uncover some hidden truths so that more people can experience an abundant life and the joy of being set free from the shackles that hold us in prison. Welcome to What If We've Been Wrong? All right, I am worked up today because I was there in front of the Supreme Court on the day that predatory Chuck Schumer threatened the United States Supreme Court justices. He's a predatory animal who, who threatened the Supreme Court justices, Kavanaugh and Gorsuch, and he preys on these gullible women who have bought the lies of the billion-dollar abortion industry. And they all came out, you know, bearing their knives, figure of speech, in front of the Supreme Court, and I would say the ratio between pro-aborts and pro-lifers was three to one. So I don't know where you were on that Wednesday, March 4th, but if you weren't in front of the Supreme Court, just know th that the pro-lifers need you to be out there the next time there is an abortion-related Supreme Court case because we need people there praying. Because what's going on is the abortion industry is about ready to lose. The abortion industry will become the like the archaic industry of slavery in America. The day is coming uh, quickly when Americans will look back and we will say, my God, my God, how did we allow this to ever happen? Where did the lies come from? How did we get so, how are we so ignorant? How are we so apathetic? And then how were so many people confused? And how does the umbilical cord of the abortion industry go all the way from a woman's womb, say in California, all the way to Washington, DC? But what I like to say is that when we can cut the umbilical cord, uh, we will be able to cut the stranglehold over America. And make no mistake, the shedding of innocent blood through abortion is a sacrifice to Satan himself. I have done an entire show on that where I interviewed a, a former high wizard, and you can find this, it's out on podcast now, but he proves it because he was a Satan-worshipping high wizard and, and, and he exposes everything. But the Bible itself exposes that the shedding of innocent blood through the intrinsic evil of abortion is a satanic sacrifice. That is indeed what Satan himself wants. And he uses the realm of politics. He has used even our courts and he has used and still uses millions of women across America. And let me tell you something, I saw those women and you can find you know, these interviews with some of them and just listen to what comes out of their mouths. Most of these women are so hurt 
They're so angry. They're so defensive on the decision that they made. And I'm sure the vast majority of the people on that side had already had multiple abortions. If they're willing to take the day off work, if they work at all, some of these I'm sure are shipped in using the funds of George Soros who pays you know, a lot of these people to come out and, and, and do this kind of thing. But either way, the women who I saw in front of the Supreme Court on Wednesday, March 4th, were angry, angry women who are hurt, who are defensive, who are confused. They think they know it all, but they have no clue. Well, I was distributing flyers about Dr. Bernard Nathanson, the father of the abortion industry, who I had the pleasure to interview. And when I say pleasure, it's because Dr. Bernard Nathanson, who founded the first political action organization called NARAL, Pro-Choice America, N-A-R-A-L, back then it was called the National Abortion Rights Action League, and the National Association for the Repeal of Abortion Law, and this is the same doctor who trained Planned Parenthood how to kill babies in the womb and to run abortion mills. This doctor, when he saw the baby for the first time on real-time ultrasound, uh, about six months after celebrating Roe v. Wade in 1973, the father of America's industry of abortion began his pro-life journey. He bonded with the baby. He saw the baby smiling and wiggling her, her toes and sucking her thumb and stretching, yawning. And the father of America's industry of abortion, who, who in his prior life, meaning when he was the abortionist, he, he's the one who deceived the politicians. His lies confused the Supreme Court justices and the pro-abort attorneys who used Norma McCorvey uh, and um, um, who used Norma McCorvey to advance this Roe v. Wade case. Um, those are the lies that came from Dr. Bernard Nathanson, and those are the lies that, that um, predatory Chuck Schumer is still using today and you know, wrapping these, the lie that abortion uh, is women's health care. That's the lie of Dr. Bernard Nathanson. And Dr. Nathanson commissioned me to teach America the eight-point strategy of how he deceived our country with the lie that abortion's women's health care and to deliver his personal parting message across this country. And so there I was in front of the Supreme Court on the day that Chucky Schumer, predatory Senator Chucky Schumer, threatened the safety of of United States justices and he used the lies to continue to dupe the women who were running around chanting in an angrily way, my body, my choice, my body, my choice. And that is the slogan that Dr. Nathanson and his team of, uh, he called them the junta of moral thugs. That's the slogan that they foisted onto America um, to deceive enough women and men into believing that it is literally their body, their choice. And we all know today that it's not their body. And we know that killing another human being is not a choice. And it should be against the law. 
But there's predatory Chuck Schumer, who I just found out today has a lawsuit against him because he violated, I believe it's some kind of a um, law up in New York. And of course, it's probably not going to go anywhere because New York's governor, Cuomo, um, you know, he's all for killing babies. So, but at least a lawsuit was filed. Okay, what, why? Okay, the question is why? Why did uh, predatory Senator Chuck Schumer come out in front of the Supreme Court um, to do his thing uh, and to confuse women all the more and to talk to the media, you know, the mainstream media, which is all for killing babies and confusing women and advancing this culture of death onto America. What was the Supreme Court case they were so opposing? Well, the Supreme Court case has nothing to do with ending abortion. It has everything to do with protecting, quote, women's health care. I'm using their words. If they want to call abortion women's health care, the Supreme Court case is a case where the abortionists down in Louisiana are suing the Louisiana Department of Health over the law that the health department implemented. And, and what that law say, states is, actually, I don't know if it was actually implemented because I think it quickly ended up in a lawsuit, but the, but the, but the law says that if you're going to abort babies, you need to have hospital admitting privileges. And what does that mean? What, what's the, you know, let's just walk that dog. What does that mean? Is that if you're going to abort babies and you botch that abortion, and this happens every single year all over America, sometimes a few and sometimes many, but this happens because a lot of times on that first trimester abortion, the doctor's not even using an ultrasound. And so he can puncture the uterus and he can lacerate the intestines when he's scraping out the uterus. All right, this happens. And now what happens to the woman? Well, the woman most likely will develop sepsis, blood poisoning, and many times the women die, particularly if they don't get back into you know, the hospital or a doctor's office and get put on antibiotics and to figure out you know, where the laceration is and all this. Okay, so why would the abortionist be so against this common sense law that if you're going to perform abortions, for God's sake, you have to have hospital admitting privileges for continuity of care so that when you, Mr. Abortionist, lacerate the uterus and puncture the intestine, uh, you can't just call an ambulance and send that woman off to the local or probably across town ER room and you wash your hands of that responsibility. And then she goes down into history dying of sepsis and you, Mr. Abortionist, you're not off the hook. Now these are my words, okay? I'm also very passionate about this because my name is in the Supreme Court now filed in an amici brief with Abby Johnson, that's a friend of the court, filing to say, hey, we have serious information that the justices should consider uh, as they listen to the two sides argue this case. So Abby Johnson was once upon a time the Planned Parenthood employee of the year. But when she caught on to the lies of Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry, that this is not about women's health care, this is about population control and making billions of dollars off deceived women. 
That is what Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry is really about, as well as spreading Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, her gospel of promiscuity. Okay, the world we live in today is a post-Margaret Sanger, post-Planned uh, Parenthood world. Okay, all this, all these, um, all the promiscuity going on, all this, much of it didn't happen until Margaret Sanger was able to institutionalize her worldview under the realm of Planned Parenthood uh, of promiscuity, birth control, and eugenics. But that's a whole nother topic. So what we're faced with today, though, are the lies of the abortion industry pretending that they represent women. Me. They pretend that they represent me and their patients, and that's a bald face lie. They do not represent me, and they do not represent women. And that's the truth that Abby Johnson, who used to be the Planned Parenthood Employee of the Year, who ended up leaving Planned Parenthood, just so I can tie that loose in, and then she actually made the movie Unplanned, which tells her whole leg, uh, journey of becoming duped into Planned Parenthood business, believing that they're out to help women, and then realizing that no, Planned Parenthood is in the business of killing babies so they can make lots of money and they can help with population control. So, and, and while I'm thinking of this, I want to get this out in the beginning. So when I talk about Planned Parenthood and killing babies in this whole abortion industry, there are about a million babies a year that are being killed. You multiply that by about, say on average, $400. That's a very, very lucrative business to be in. Well, Planned Parenthood in the United States kills about 325,000 babies you just multiply that by, on average, say about 400, you're looking right there, just that, at $130 million, right to Planned Parenthood, all right? So, and then the other two-thirds are with, um, I mean, I'm sure these are all conglomerates, but, uh, uh, but much smaller organizations than Planned Parenthood. But you shake it all up, and over the years, it's grown into a billion-dollar industry of duping women, of lying to women. So this court case, uh, so the, the abortionists from Louisiana are suing the Louisiana Department of Health over this requirement that the abortionists have to have hospital admitting privileges. Well, because that's, and they're, they're saying that's not right, it's going to put people out of business, blah, blah, blah. I think they have to have within 30 miles of a hospital, uh, they have to have hospital admitting privileges. So why would they fight that? Why? Why would these women be out on you know First Street, First Avenue, in front of the Supreme Court, chanting "My body, my choice," and all this stuff uh, that Dr. Bernard Nathanson, uh, who founded NARAL, you know, the, these are the slogans that they invented back in the late 1960s. Well, they're fighting it because they know that it ties the abortionists closer and closer to the death and mutilation of women via the abortion industry. They know the blood is on their hands and they do not want it. But of course, when predatory Chuck Schumer arrives out in front of the United States Supreme Court, uh, and I'm gonna read to you what he said as he threatened the life of two of the Supreme Court justices, all he's doing is trying to make this, this uh, Supreme Court case try to be about the end of abortion, and it's not. 
It's trying to keep the doctors more accountable and, a, and continuity of care. All right. So and I'm going to be telling you in a few minutes the words that I was able to get into the Supreme Court right from the founder of, of the abortion industry in America who deeply grieved unleashing abortion onto America. But first, let's start with predatory Senator Chuck Schumer. This is what Chuck Schumer said. and This is why that man ought to be uh, stripped of his uh, senator position and just send that man right on back and he can go be Governor Cuomo's right-hand man. They're doing plenty of baby killing right up in the uh, state of New York. Chuck Schumer said, over the last three years, women's reproductive rights, and I'm gonna pick those words apart, have come under attack in a way we haven't seen in modern history. From Louisiana to Missouri to Texas, Republican legislatures are waging war on women all women, and they're taking away fundamental rights. I'm going to bust a big train hole through those words too. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, and I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Americans, it is time to awaken to the back history of how the abortion industry has so much control over legislators and now the legislators think that they can have the audacity without any uh, backlash, without any consequences, that they can now threaten United States Supreme Court justices. I am going to give you the back history and more in-depth information about the Supreme Court case. So you stay tuned. Spreading the out loud truth from sea to shining sea. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. To unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. We are the vision of the voices. Welcome to the new era in communications. America Out Loud Talk Radio. All right, you're back with uh, Terry Beatley on What If We've Been Wrong, and I am for sure today shining light in dark places. And the dark places uh, are, are, are exposing how, uh, how predatory, uh, threatening Senator Chuck Schumer thinks that it's okay for him to stand in front of the Supreme Court with about a thousand women who have been so duped by the aggressive abortion industry and he can spew his hatred, spew his threats, threaten the lives of Supreme Court justices. That is predatory, predatory behavior. You know, predatory behavior seeking to exploit. That's the definition of predatory, seeking to exploit. So what Chuck Schumer is seeking to exploit is to anger people, make them believe the lies of the abortion industry, and God knows what these poor justices are going to have to go through. They may end up with, they may, I don't know, but they may end up with hundreds of people. These are the Duke people who will be out in front of their home residences, you know, threatening the lives and 
um, cheering and chanting you know into the windows uh, and disrupting the livelihood of Supreme Court justices. For God's sake, what is predatory uh, Senator Chuck Schumer thinking? And then his, his uh, pathetic, and I mean pathetic, apology on the Senate floor. That was not an apology. That, was no, not, that wasn't even close to an apology. All right, so let's dig into the Supreme Court case, which riled up all these women, and I'm telling you, every woman who came out in support of abortion, number one, she was denying what the Supreme Court case is even about, and, and um, she's, she does not know at all how Dr. Bernard Nathanson, who I interviewed on December 1st, 2009, and who I made a promise to, how to teach America how he deceived our country with the lie that abortion is women's health care. They have no clue about Dr. Nathanson. Now, what made it sort of interesting was I was passing out flyers, and it said up at the top, because I wanted the women who were on the other side of this issue to learn what Dr. the truth that Dr. Nathanson left behind. So we didn't get all the flyers handed out, but we did hand out uh, quite a few, and some people were quite eager. Ooh, I mean, this is about the founder of, of NARAL Pro-Choice America, and they would take the flyer. And for that, I am grateful. So for at least those women, we were able to drop seeds of truth to drive them, hopefully, to the website of Hosea Initiative. Hosea Initiative, that's H-O-S-E-A. I want you to go visit our website, spend time on the website. There is so much information about how Dr. Bernard Nathanson, the father of America's industry of abortion, admitted to duping this country as high up as the courts, including the doctors, including the legislators, including many clergymen, including uh, the medical community. Let's face it, the American Medical Association used to be 100% against abortion until they bought the lies of Dr. Bernard Nathanson too. Well, Dr. Nathanson wanted the truth be known, and I promised him that I would teach America. And so if you go to Hosea Initiative, that's H-O-S-E-A, uh, and check out the website, uh, I also have a book, and I want every American to read this book. Go to a book, to get the book, you can either go to, go to America Out Loud Bookstore, you can um, click there today, and that's gonna send you right to my publisher, um, or you can go directly to abortionking.com. If you just remember that, go to abortionking.com, abortionking.com. I want you to get the book, and this is why. It's an easy reading book. It, I share the story about interviewing Dr. Nathanson on December 1st, 2009, and, and then him commissioning me to teach America the truth. Also in the book, is the affidavit written by Norma McCorvey. She's the Roe of Roe v. Wade. And Norma McCorvey uh, became pro-life. And Norma McCorvey never had an abortion. Norma McCorvey got duped by these pro-abortion lawyer activists and 
the same cloth of a Senator Chuck Schumer, you know, still duping women, and Norma McCorvey repented for her crimes against humanity. She ended up becoming a Christian, and she wanted everybody to know uh, that she had been duped, and she deeply, deeply grieved that. So in January 19... Uh, two, I mean, part, January 2003, Norma McCorvey, the Roe v. Roe v. Wade, submitted her affidavit to the Supreme Court begging the court to overturn the Roe v. Wade decision. The court chose not to hear her case, if you can believe that. I, that blows my mind that the Roe of Roe v. Wade wanted Roe v. Wade overturned and the court wouldn't hear her case. But that, that day is coming. They are going to hear the case again and we're going to get Roe v. Wade overturned. So, so, between, so in this book that you can get at abortionking.com or right at the library, you know, at America Out Loud, uh, get What If We've Been Wrong, Keeping My Promise to America's Abortion King. There's a story of Nathanson, the story of Norma McCorvey, uh, and her affidavit, as well as her attorneys uh, gave me an appendix and it's basically explaining the six erroneous assumptions that the Supreme Court made in the Roe v. Wade case. It's all there in like a $20 book. Get it, read it, reread it, share it with somebody in the mushy middle and help them understand that, that the two biggest um, abortion-related people became pro-life. The doctor who trained Planned Parenthood and the woman of Roe v. Wade. You must know these stories, and they're all in that one book, abortionking.com. Now, so the other day, predatory Chuck Schumer, Senator Chuck Schumer, was in front of the Supreme Court, and the, I've already explained that the case is about the abortionists suing the state of Louisiana. Well, it's interesting because the abortionists pretend that they represent women. That is not true. And I, along with Abby Johnson, um, filed this amici brief to the Supreme Court and the piece that I was able to get into the court are the words of Dr. Nathanson uh, in, from one of his books. Dr. Nathanson way back in the 1980s after he had become pro-life exposed to uh, in writing uh, in the book called The Abortion Papers that there, there never has been an abortionist patient relationship, this doctor patient relationship, because all the abortionists pretend that they have a relationship with the patient. They help the patient make a decision. It's such a tough decision, you know, to kill a child, which it should be, right? But here's the problem with that lie is they don't have a, a relationship. So Abby Johnson's testimony proves that. She knows that that the woman would come in saying, I want an abortion, and the abortionist would only walk into that room with the, woman's, with the woman already up in stirrups, and the doctor performs the abortion. A lot of times the doctor doesn't even hardly speak to the patient. Well, that's what it's like today, but what was it like when Dr. Nathanson unleashed abortion onto America? Well, this is, this is what I joyfully was able to submit to the Supreme Court so the justices get to read this. Dr. Nathanson, who coined the slogan, a decision between a woman and her doctor, described the fiction and reality. Quote, this is what he said, 
giving it just the barest patina of a medical judgment made it, abortion, infinitely more acceptable and politically more palatable. In actual fact, the abortion decision is no more the doctor's than a nose job is. It's the woman alone who decides if she wants her nose fixed or her breast done or her child destroyed and she merely involves the doctor as an instrument in her decision. That, my friends, is now filed at the United States Supreme Court. And that is why when I, you know, I had this thing on a flyer and I'm handing it out to women on the pro-abortion chanting side in front of the Supreme Court on Wednesday, March 4th, uh, when predatory uh, Chuck Schumer is doing his thing as well. And the women, oh, the women who work for NARAL, when they saw me there, uh, they eagerly grabbed some of my flyers. They wanted to know the truth that I was getting out. And so, my friends, the abortion industry is a satanic sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of, of shedding innocent blood. Satan cheers every time that happens. Um, God hates the shedding of innocent blood. And what's getting ready to happen in America is the end of this industry. Because as more and more people see the pro-aborts going off the rails, like the governor of Virginia, publicly supported infanticide. When that reporter asked him uh, about, you know, this delegate Kathy Tran bill in Virginia, delegate Kathy Tran is from the Springfield, Virginia area, and she's the one who patroned the bill, which would have allowed the woman to decide, even on the delivery table, to just abort that baby. Uh, the governor of Virginia defended that bill. He defended it. Now, why are the pro-aborts going to such extremes? The pro-aborts are going to such extremes because they know that the day is coming when Roe v. Wade is overturned. And what they want to do is get this thing identified, codified, if you will, as a fundamental right. Like you and I have a fundamental right of free speech, you know, freedom, free speech, uh, the right to assemble uh, publicly, uh, free press. Uh, well, they think that abortion is a fundamental right, like the fundamental right to life, okay? Well, the governor of Virginia, just in case you missed it, and these are, I'm paraphrasing, okay? But he, but he basically said to the reporter with his real Southern accent, making it sound like he's just a real sweet guy from the Eastern shore of Virginia, with that southern accent, he proceeds to explain that, that look, this does happen, and we wrap the baby in swaddling clothes. We keep the baby comfortable as the parents uh, and the doctor decide what they're going to do. Excuse me? The baby's already been born. The baby's here. The baby's alive. And for God's sake, we should be going to extremes to try to keep that baby alive. This is just basic health care, the Hippocratic Oath, right? But the pro-aborts now don't recognize the Hippocratic Oath. They're not even happy with decriminalized abortion because they fear so badly that abortion is going to become illegal that now they're even willing to stand in front of the Supreme Court, not even um, 
not even talk about the current case, which helps to keep women protected who have just had a botched abortion, just make the doctors have hospital admitting privileges. I mean, for goodness sakes, there, what's, what is so wrong with that? Abortionists and pro-abortion people, I'm calling them the abortion people, like Dr. Nathanson did in his book, the abortion people. Tell me, what is so wrong with that? To demand that a doctor have hospital admitting privileges so that if he makes a mistake, the woman can have continuity of care, the doctor who started the surgery can finish the surgery. So this is what this is all about. But the pro-aborts know that the more truth, the more light that is shown in those dark places, and that's why I named the show, What If We've Been Wrong? Shining Light in Dark Places. I'm getting ready to share with you so much light of how Dr. Bernard Nathanson, who commissioned me to teach America how he deceived our country and all those women out in front of the Supreme Court and predatory Chuck Schumer, how he deceived this country with the lie that abortion's women's health care. Let me tell you something. There were women who were boldly, um, uh, boldly proclaiming their abortion. One really, really nasty, nasty, so confused, angry woman said, I just had my third abortion last month. Yay! And, and the, you know, she and these other women were cheering that cheering it. This is how extreme, and I'm going to call it out for exactly how, what it is and how I view this as a Christian. This is satanic, demonic manipulation to keep the shedding of innocent blood legal in this country, but it is going to end. Right now, I'm going to begin teaching you the strategy of how Dr. Bernard Nathanson fooled America with a lie that abortion is women's health care. The first thing they did was they framed the debate around choice. That, you know, Americans love choices. They didn't call this the right to, you know, kill a baby, okay? They called it choice. They didn't talk about killing babies. They just simply called it choice. And then they came up with the slogans, and my God, my God, these women were chanting the slogans, my body, my choice, my body, my choice. And if I heard it, like I said, you know, 100 times, I heard it probably 10,000 times. It was like the sound of beating drums down in hell. And every time a soul goes to hell um, over this. So, this, so they came up with the slogans. And Dr. Nathanson and his atheist friend, Lawrence Lader, who co-founded NARAL Pro-Choice America, uh, they they hired a public relations firm to come up with a lot of these slogans that are still in place today. And then they used the complicit media. Dr. Nathanson was an OBGYN, and he really did think he was doing the right thing for women. Now, he knew he had to lie and all that to get this thing moved forward, but he really thought he was doing the right thing for women. And um, I can explain more about that later. But uh, they used the complicit media. Uh, and, and then they repeated the lies often, often. And we all know that if you repeat the lies often, it becomes the fabricated truth. And we saw that in the whole Justice Kavanaugh hearings where the lies over and over and over until people really started believing, you know, that Kavanaugh, uh, you know, the, um, had done these bad things to that woman. 
uh, the forward woman. Uh, but anyway, we all know that it, that the mainstream media loves to repeat the lies, uh, particularly if it's going to um, um, uh, advance abortion onto America. And so when I come back uh, uh, from this short break, I want you to stay tuned. I'm going to teach you the other four, the other four very, very critical, critical lies and strategies that Dr. Nathanson implemented because you, my friends, want to make sure you get a fact check booklet from Hosea Initiative so you too can learn this eight point strategy from rote memory. I don't have any written anything in front of me other than the court case, but the eight point strategy, this is from rote memory. I want you to learn it as much as I know it and also right now, Go get the book, AbortionKing.com, AbortionKing.com. I'll be right back. Hey, and also make sure you have the talk radio app on your phone because 24 hours a day, you can be tuned in to America Out Loud and you know where to be every day, Monday through Friday at 1 p.m. right on What If, what if We've Been Wrong on America Out Loud Talk Radio. What if a new treatment backed by 17,000 scientific articles was proven to extend our lifespan, protect against terrible diseases like cancer, heart disease, and dementia, make us more attractive and thinner, feel calmer and happier, and boost energy levels, memory, and performance? What would you pay for even the smallest dose of this treatment? Well, the good news is you don't have to pay anything because these are just some of the benefits of a full night of quality sleep. If you're one of the millions of Americans who need better quality sleep, the time to change is now. Until now, most sleep aids haven't worked, but a new easy-to-swallow sleep gel invented by the leading nutrition company Healthy Cell is designed to support all four stages of human sleep to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake up refreshed. It's called REM Sleep. To get a free two-night supply of REM Sleep, visit HealthyCell.com sleep. That's HealthyCell.com sleep. It's your news and entertainment network. News blogs, informative podcasts, entertaining videos, or listen to 24-7 Talk Radio on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. We the people, AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Welcome to the new era in communications. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Here's another thing that Dr. Nathanson would tell the media. He would say, look, 60% of Americans want abortion on demand legalized, 60%. So when I sat with Dr. Nathanson for about an hour interviewing him on December 1st, 2009, I said, Dr. Nathanson, where did you get the 60% number? And he said that the public relations firm you know, instructed them that if they're going to create a revolution, that their statistics, their polling numbers had better be over 50%. So he pulled 60% out of thin air. That's right, 60% number. And the real number, check this out. Strap yourselves in, because uh, their audacity just knows no bounds. The real number was one half of 1% of Americans wanted abortion on demand legalized but he would tell the media 60%. 
The other thing he would do is he would justify, he would justify or rationalize, and he would say, look, the women are going to do it anyway. Um, just Let's just get it legalized and call it a day. But we all know that when you legalize something, the, the average public, you know, they're going to think, well, it's okay. And plus, the women were being told back then, it's just a blob of tissue. Now, the thing that's different today is they all know it's a baby. And they literally, by the way, one woman had alligator baby-eating earrings out in front of the Supreme Court. She's dangling her earrings, these little dangle earrings, and she's showing them off to, the, to a reporter. Um, the alligators literally, you know, chewing on the baby. So, uh, they know it's a baby, so, but, but back then, back in the late 60s, early 70s, they were being told it's just a blob of tissue. Well, so he would rationalize it. And we all know that if something becomes legal, you're going to drive up the demand. You know, because when something is illegal, the whole purpose of that is to make people, you know, do less of it, right? Uh, uh, so, it, I don't know how else to explain it. So what happened is, he would tell the media that one million women a year are already having illegal abortions. Let's just get it, you know, legalized. And the real number was about 99,000. But, but as soon as abortion became legal uh, in New York, uh, the number shot up to 250,000 women descended upon the state of New York. And then, of course, when we had Roe v. Wade, the total number for the United States went from about 99,000 to about 1.5 million. That's what happens when you legalize something. You know, just look at marijuana, okay? You know, you can look at the, the state of Colorado, you know, moms and dads are now sitting down smoking marijuana with their teenagers. You know, hey, it's all good, fine, good, and well, right? Because it's legal. Well, the same thing happened with abortion. So he would rationalize it, okay? And then lastly, I think I've named all seven points. Let me just do a quick review here. I'm going to count them on my fingers because you need to know them as easily as I know them. The first, they framed the debate. Second, they crafted those slogans. Third, they used the complicit media. Four, they repeated the lies often and well. Number five, they lied. They used all those false, uh, the false data about you know, 5,000, 10,000 women a year dying and a million abortions a year already happening. Well, those were all lies. And then they used false polling. Then they would rationalize. And then lastly, and I'm not going to go too far in depth on this one because I want to do a whole uh, a show just on this one. But all this started, uh, well, at least for New York, it started right in New York City in, 19, in the late 1960s is when NARAL formed. Because what they saw was a very fractured pro-abortion movement going on. At that point, I believe it was 12 states had already legalized or decriminalized abortion. And so, but, but some, some of the pro-aborts, they wanted abortion all nine months. So some pro-aborts only wanted it first trimester. Some wanted it only done in hospitals. Some want, you know, it, everybody had different opinions. Well, NARAL, the founders of NARAL, Lawrence Later and Dr. Bernard Nathanson, they saw this as an opportunity to form an organization which would uh, unite a very fractured pro-abortion movement. So they named it the National Association for the Repeal of Abortion Law. And they, they, they drummed up this propaganda campaign in the state of New York, right in New York City. But what does New York have? And it still has today. 
lots and lots of Catholics. Well, the problem that Lawrence Later and Dr. Nathanson identified is that the Catholic magisterium, the Catholic doctrine, teaches Catholics that abortion is an intrinsic evil, that nothing good comes from abortion, never has, never will, and that the Catholic Church teaching is 100% unequivocally against abortion. That's how it was in the beginning. You go back 1,900 years ago and read the, uh, the, uh, the church fathers. You know, we're talking about the Catholic Church for 1,500 years until Martin Luther and then things began to splinter off into the 45, 50,000 different Protestant denominations. But I will say that even for the first 400 years after Martin Luther, from 15, I think that was 1530s, until until Margaret Sanger, the early 1900s, all Protestants and all Catholics were 100% against abortion and also, just as a side note, 100% con against contraception. So, because of Margaret Sanger and what she did in promoting this contracepting culture that we have, by the time NARAL came around, um, about 50% of Catholics were going against the Catholic Church teaching on contraception. So it was a real easy push down the contraception abortion slope to convince Catholics, enough Catholics, to be able to vote for pro-abortion candidates. Okay, and this is what we do at Jose Initiatives. We teach history. We're not a political organization, but we just we just teach history on 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 how all this happened because I believe history matters, and we should know how certain people's worldviews have affected America uh, to a point where now we don't even have parental rights that a girl can go get an abortion behind her parents' back. If she can stand in front of a judge, this is called a judicial bypass, she can stand in front of a judge in all 50 states. And if, if that judge thinks that uh, this girl is mature enough to have an abortion, the judge can grant her a confidential abortion and the parents might not ever find out about it. Okay, which has all sorts of ramifications, which too much for today's talk, but we'll cover that um, probably the, this, this part two of the show. All right, so what does NARAL do about the Catholics? Well, they've got about 50% of them um, you know, joyfully contracepting, and they knew it wouldn't be hard to push them down the abortion uh, uh, slide. But what do they need to do with the other 50% of Catholics in New York who are not contracepting and who are 100% against abortion? They need their political vote. So they develop what was called the Catholic strategy. The Catholic strategy was a four-part, very stealthy, methodical, very deadly, you know, effective political strategy to separate Catholics' religious conviction from their legislative judgment. Okay? This is very, very, I'm going to say that again. And again, this is just from rote memory because I know the whole story of Dr. Bernard Nathanson. He actually called what I'm sharing with you the most brilliant political strategy of all time, and which was to separate enough Catholics' religious conviction that, you know, that abortion is really bad. It's not good because it does kill a human being. 
uh, and, and that abortion is an intrinsic evil and nothing good comes from it. That basically is Catholic teaching, okay? But they had to separate that teaching from people's political judgment so that, that enough Catholics would walk into the voter booth and go vote for a pro-abortion candidate as easily as breathing, not think twice, not feel guilty or shamed or anything, that they had, that they, and, and just know that this was the most, uh, uh, Dr. Nathanson described it as the most brilliant political strategy of all time. Because let's face it, you know, we, we, we've come really, really close to losing our country to um, uh, political leadership that believes abortion is fine, good, and well, and they're all for partial birth abortion and infanticide and all that. If you want to see the death of America? Just keep advancing an abortion culture, this culture of death. So in part two of this show, I'm just going to tell you now, I'm going to be explaining the Catholic strategy and what it has cost our country. And then I and then when that when when that show turns into a podcast, I want you to push all over America. Um, this radio show today, when this gets turned into a podcast, and then when I do part two on specifically the Catholic strategy, I want every American to know how and why so many Catholics were duped by NARAL's Catholic strategy. But in the meantime, let's go back to predatory Chuck Schumer. All right, so he's been slapped on the hands and he stood in front of the United States Supreme Court and gave this really, really lame apology. But there's something I want you to see, and you're going to have to do a Google search on this, maybe go onto YouTube, unless it's been scrubbed, which I cannot imagine all, all these videos have been scrubbed. I just think it's impossible because it went far and wide, but I still say the vast majority of Americans have not seen this. And, and I'm gonna call it out for how, what I believe the Lord let us see with predatory Chuck Schumer. Um, he is demonically controlled. Now, why would I say that? I want you to go check it out for yourself. You don't have to believe me. But it happened, I think this was about, I don't know, a month ago, so, yeah, so look, maybe it's going to be like in February 2020, okay? Now, what happens is Chuck Schumer walks onto the U.S. Senate floor. I can only surmise that this video was taken by maybe, I don't know, it's an official video. Maybe they always video everybody out on the Senate floor, like a stationary camera. Um, or, or was it done by somebody up, uh, you know, like a viewer. But what happens is this. Chuck Schumer comes walking down onto the U.S. Senate floor, down one of those aisles. He's shaking a few people's hands. He pats a lady on her back. And then he walks across the aisle to his seat, okay, which is right, right on the edge of the aisle. Behind him is Senator Dianne Feinstein. And then I think her name is Senator Murray, and she's from Washington State. Both Feinstein and Murray are big pro-abort U.S. Senators. And uh, Murray herself is Catholic. I'm not sure Feinstein. I think she's Jewish, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, so what happens is Chuck Schumer walks over to his chair and he looks at his chair. There's nobody in it, in the physical realm. There's nobody sitting in his chair. But he points his finger at the chair and he says something 
And if you read the body language, it's as if he's telling something that he can see to get out of his chair, that he needs to sit down and get on out. And he's pointing to his right, telling this thing to get out. Well, at first, if the two senators were had not been caught on camera, you might think, you know, there ain't no way. You know, you might think there's no way this really happened. But you should watch the videos that also capture Senator Murray and Senator Dianne Feinstein's uh, reaction. And, and because some of the videos have zoomed in just on Chuck Schumer, make sure you also capture, see the videos where it, where it captures the physical response of Feinstein and Senator Murray. These women are looking at Chuck Schumer. They see what he says and he does. And they look at each other like, did we just see him speak to this empty chair and motion for something to get out of it? And then they sort of do a double take. And then I think it's Diane Feinstein sort of gives this look of like just um, astonishment over to Senator Murray. And then, and then it's over. But I want you to see this because there is a spiritual realm. God's word tells us that in the book of Ephesians. And there's a war going on because what is getting ready to happen in America is the industry of abortion is going to be no more. What we're going to see is the rather quick demise. And I say quick, I don't know how quick that can happen. They can over, you know, the day will come because what you know, probably President Trump will get another term. Probably he's going to have the opportunity to nominate more Supreme Court justices. But the point I want to drive home is, uh, uh, is in that this is not, you know, per se a promotion of Donald Trump or promotion, of, you know, because I can't do that at Jose Initiative, but I can just kind of call a spade a spade because as I see it, what's getting ready to happen? The people are going to become enlightened to how, um, how this aggressive industry of killing babies has duped women and and how it's subjected them to rising levels of rising rates of breast cancer that's one of the main cancers that's on the rise this has all been scientifically proven by meta-analysis uh, and I and if you, you don't have to believe me just go to breast cancer prevention institute and get the little pink it's about a 30-page brochure, and the doctor, Dr. Angela Lanfranchi and uh, Dr. Brind, or Brind, but I think it's Brind, B-R-I-N-D, they've done all the meta-analysis. It's all out there that the best protection against breast cancer is a first full-term pregnancy, or at least for that woman to go through the 32nd week of pregnancy, because what happens is her breasts mature. And I've done a whole radio show on this, and that's out on podcasts. And so I think the other thing is when the people of America learn that, that this is satanic, a satanic sacrifice, that the pro-aborts aren't even happy with legalized or decriminalized abortion. They always want more. And now what do they have? They have an entire industry of selling and making money off aborted baby body parts. And they're not happy with that either. Now they push promiscuity into our government-run school system, convincing our kids that it's okay to live promiscuous lives. And if it feels good, do it. Predatory Chuck Schumer should lose his senator position 
I think the man ought to be thrown in jail for trying to incite violence against two uh, Supreme Court justices and duping women, lying to women, so he can try to uh, keep control and advance a culture of death over America. But Americans, it is getting ready to change. And I want you today to go to abortionking.com and purchase my book. It's out on ebook, audiobook, softback. We even have hardbacks. Get the book, read the story, learn the real history, and then go share that story with somebody else. It's called What If We've Been Wrong? Keeping My Promise to America's Abortion King. And you can get it at abortionking.com. Help support this ministry, Hosea Initiative. The time is now to end the abortion of uh, the industry of abortion once and for all and restore a culture of life to America.